Welcome. You are listening to the Mindful Minute, meditations created for everyday joy. I'm your host, Meryl Arnett, and my passion is making meditation accessible and enjoyable. This podcast is recorded from my live Monday night meditation class, where we have a brief discussion followed by a guided meditation. If you would like to access these meditation practices as standalone audio files for your daily practice, please subscribe to my newsletter at merylarnett.com. It's free and you'll receive a new mini meditation each week, along with behind the scenes content and bonus material for each podcast episode. All right, let's grab a cup of tea, a comfy seat, and settle in for today's practice. Hello, happy Monday. Thank you guys for taking time out of your Monday to be here with me this evening. I am always so glad to be here with you. And I'm really glad that we are continuing this month's series. We took a little side detour last week. We paused the series so that we could talk about current events and how we're feeling and what we need and some practices to take care of ourselves. And I'll just name how confusing this will be for podcast listeners because I already know that's going to air out of order in like a month. So when you hear it, I don't know if there'll be an interruption or not, and I apologize if it's confusing, but here we are in the middle of a series titled Resiliency and Reciprocity, which are two traits that I believe we all need so much of. And I believe that we so easily can build the skills for these two qualities within a meditation practice. And so I want to take just a minute to sort of recap the first class, since some of us have had a little break since we've talked about it, and then we'll move into tonight's topic. And so we introduced this series with definitions for these two qualities, resiliency, which is the capacity to withstand or recover quickly from difficulties. Other words used with resiliency sometimes are toughness. My personal favorite is elasticity, the ability to be stretched, to bounce back, to recover. And then the other word, reciprocity, the practice of exchanging things with others for mutual benefit. Reciprocity is the give and take, mutually beneficial relationship. You know, I named these two qualities. I was seeing them show up in these two books that I was reading at the time that could not be more different. And the stories couldn't be different. The characters couldn't be different. The ideas behind the book maybe couldn't even be more different. And yet the through line was so loud and clear, right? That these are the qualities that we're being asked to pay attention to. And I started to think about how we access these qualities, how we access resiliency, how we access reciprocal action through a meditation practice. And I named what I find in my own practice is that it almost always starts with a willingness to acknowledge grief. Almost always. It starts with a willingness to acknowledge a thing that hurts or feels scary or overwhelming. 
And those tend to be things that we actively work not to feel, right? Those tend to be the things that we try to tamp down or ignore or numb or run away from. And everything about a mindfulness practice says, no, no, sit here and feel this now. And so 10-minute practice, through 10-minute practice, we start to build this skill of feeling what we feel, even when we don't want to. And what's interesting is that as we start to allow ourselves, as we're willing to show up for our own grief, I really believe without even trying, without you having to consciously make a choice, the innate following experience is almost always one of gratitude. Not because we're trying to make something better when it's not, not because we're searching for sunshine and rainbows, but because through hard work, we are able to experience moments of beauty, of growth, of awe even for our own capacity or that of others. And as we move from grief to gratitude, and then this last step is this reciprocal action, right? We feel called to respond to our gratitude with some form of action. And my idea for this series is we're going to carry these steps through the relationships in our lives. And we're starting tonight with our relationship with the earth. And I don't think it's any stretch of the imagination for all of us to agree that our relationship with the earth is fractured. You know, it was really interesting as I was preparing for tonight's talk, I was, you know, researching recent studies and the science around our connection with nature and the history of our connection with nature. And, you know, the thing that comes up the most is our disorders, our disorders around nature, things like plant blindness, which is a real thing, meaning you look out the window and you see green, but you don't see individual plants, right? You don't notice the individual plants just outside your window or next to you as you're walking. Nature deficit disorder, which is exactly what it sounds like. We don't spend time in nature and there are a whole host of issues that arise because of that. Eco-anxiety is like the newest diagnosis in mental health, right? Eco-anxiety, the environment causes us anxiety because we're in the middle of climate crisis. And what's interesting is that any of these disorders sort of feed into the others and it becomes almost this cyclical continually fed monster that says, don't go outside. I don't need to go outside. I'm fine. It doesn't do anything for me. It's not hurting me that I'm not going outside. And yet what's interesting is writers and poets and artists and scientists, they're everywhere you look, there are people screaming for you to go outside. I'm one of them go, go outside. It's beautiful. It's meaningful. The metaphors, the magic. And we hear it. I know this is a blanket statement. That's not true for everybody. But generally, for majorities, we hear those words and we still don't go outside. And I think part of that reason is very psychological. We don't go outside. We forget how good 
we feel when we spend mindful time outside. And so we go outside less and we forget more and we go outside less and we forget more. So part of it is just like a learned behavior. And I think the other part of it, and I know I think I've even named it in this class, right? I, I think I shared in some series that I've done. I don't think there's a private client I've taught in the last decade that I have not instructed to go sit outside. And I know without a shadow of a doubt, actually, that there isn't a single private client I have taught in a decade that has not said, no, I cannot do that. No, I cannot do that because bugs, because I don't like the hot or the cold. It's rainy. I don't know where to go. I don't know how to do that. It's too distracting. And I, you know, what shows up there is I don't want to be uncomfortable. I don't want to be uncomfortable. And going outside, we're probably going to be uncomfortable. What's interesting, I highlighted in the email I sent you that in the Apache language, the root of the word land is the same root for the word mind. And that's one of a hundred examples I could have used, right? The connection between earth and body is seen in culture after culture, in teaching after teaching, across time, across location, across tradition. This is not one person going, oh, look, we are connected to nature. This is the arc, the span of humanity saying we are connected to nature. And so I think we hear this, we acknowledge this relationship to nature, which desperately needs our attention. And then we think about, okay, well, how do I step into this relationship? And I think it's the steps that we named, the first and foremost being grief. There's a lot of grief tied to the land, grief for its destruction and climate crisis, grief for our history on the land and the indigenous relationships that we've destroyed, grief around loss of knowledge. You go outside, you don't know the name of a single plant, right? The grief, I'm sure, sometimes feels endless. And I want to name that within grief is a whole host of emotions, things like anxiety, right? I named eco-anxiety. And certainly this is a moment when we can feel a lot of anxiety for nature and in nature. And I just want to highlight, I don't remember what class it was, but it was really recently that I shared the learning that I recently stumbled across in foraging classes, which is that the antidote almost always is growing right next to the poison, right? Poison ivy makes you itch and jewelweed, which is almost always growing right next to it, is anti-itch. The antidote grows next to the poison, meaning the antidote to eco-anxiety is to go outside. It's to go outside and look at a plant. You don't have to know the name of it. You don't have to know what it does. Just notice it. Notice the bug. 
Notice if you feel a breeze or you hear bird or no bird. We step outside, we start to let ourselves experience what we feel, grief, anxiety, a sense of loss, whatever that may be. And as we start to spend that time, that grief almost innately brings up pieces of gratitude. Little moments of awe, of beauty, of thank you a sense of feeling held. One of my favorite things to reflect on is how much of nature connects us through time. I find nature is one thing that can really pull me out of momentary despair. Like when the news of the day has me so gutted or so overwhelmed or something happened at home or at work or wherever. And I just feel like completely at a loss. Going out in nature and remembering, you know, the moon that you're looking at tonight is the same moon the very first humans on the planet are looked at. It's the same one. Like, that's unbelievable, right? That, you know, hundreds of thousands of years, people have been sitting around campfires for light, for warmth, to share food, to share story, hundreds of thousands of years. The sound of rushing water, you know, our nervous system immediately responds to the sound of rushing water. That vagus nerve, you remember we talked about it last class, right? The nerve that's responsible for us feeling calm or feeling scared. That nerve responds to the sound of moving water. And it says, Oh, this is safe. This is calm. Same with birdsong. Birdsong tells our brain, this place is okay. You're safe here. All the players are here. This is prosperous. You might not consciously be thinking that, but these signals for hundreds of thousands of years have spoken to human bodies and human brains. And those connections still exist. And what's interesting, especially when we think about comfort versus discomfort, is that that quest to be comfortable, to avoid discomfort, the thing that comes hand in hand with it almost always is loneliness. Comfort comes at a cost of loneliness. And we'll explore this through these next three classes, but tonight specifically since we're talking about earth, that connection that our bodies and our nervous systems have had for those hundreds of thousands of years, when we say, I can't go outside because bugs, right? Our body feels that loss, even if we're not cognitively naming it. Our body responds to it. All right, so we name the grief, we move into the gratitude, and then the last piece is reciprocal action. And I want to name that, you know, Robin Wall Kimmerer writes that our attention alone is reciprocity. Paying attention is reciprocity. Go outside. Just take your practice outside, once in a while even. 
walk with the intent that I'm not listening to a podcast. I'm not talking on the phone. I'm walking with my eyes open and my ears open to see, to smell, to feel. Over the weekend, I went on a hike, my favorite trail by my house. And I went early. There was almost nobody on the trail. But as I was hiking out, another woman was hiking in. We crossed paths and I said hello. And I noticed that her hands were full of trash. And I said, man, thank you so much for picking up trash on this trail. I do that too. And we you know, smiled and chatted and I went on my way. And as I walked out, I pulled out my little bag that I bring with me and I picked up trash too. And then later that same day, I'm driving down sort of the main road outside of our neighborhood, a busier road with sidewalks. And there was a woman walking on the sidewalk, picking up trash. And none of these were organized efforts. There was no sign saying trash pickup day. It wasn't Earth Day, just a normal Saturday. And over and over again, I've seen this reciprocal action. People walking outside, stop and pick up trash because I walk this path. I love this path. I want it to be safe and clean. And we, in this way, through these steps, little mini practice, little mini practice, we're building these tools of reciprocity and resilience. And I'll share just one funny story and then we'll meditate. So you all know, some of you know at least, that my son goes to school on a farm. It's a homeschool co-op on a farm. And it's like outside all the time, which is my dream. I mean, this school is my dream school. I feel unbelievably lucky that it exists and we found it and my kid can go there. And they had a school play Saturday night. (laughs) And I don't know why it didn't occur to me. It should have that like, obviously it was going to be outside. It's on a freaking farm. And it was in a barn. (laughs) Y'all, it was like 90 degrees in Atlanta on Saturday. It was so hot. And there were, you know, 30 plus families standing in a barn and I'm like projectile sweating. (laughs) It's so hot. And all I can think is like, I am so hot. I cannot wait to go get in the car and blast that air conditioning. This is miserable. And I'm trying to be happy for my kid and excited and pay attention to the play. And there was some moment in there where I was like, this is the discomfort versus comfort, right? This is the lesson that I continually try to practice myself. And then I'm here to share tonight, which is like, go projectile sweat. You know what happened? Nothing, because everybody was sweating. We were all soaking wet and disgusting. And it was fine. We went home. We took showers. It was okay. We all survived. It was such a beautiful, sweet thing. And it was really uncomfortable. And both of those existed in that moment. And the choice was right there. It's right there for all of us in every moment, right there to be pissed, to hate the moment and say, I can't do this. I got to go get in the car. I'm not going to stay. We have to leave now. I'm done. To be short-tempered and snappy and unhappy. Or to say, this is uncomfortable. I feel very awkward that I'm pouring sweat as I talk to total strangers on a lawn. And these are my kids, friends, families in a place that I love and I'm so grateful exist. And 
I live in the South in May, so this is just the reality for the next couple months. That choice is right there for all of us. And I think the comfort, discomfort is the loneliness connection choice, right? So we're about to do our practice together today. And I just want to throw one little nudge one more time. Even if it's only once this week, go take your practice outside. And I already know somebody's going to be blowing leaves, right? With the leaf blower. And the garbage truck is going to drive by. And I don't know about y'all, but my partner does most of his conference calls pacing a path across our house, outside across our house. So I'm sitting outside and he's like on the phone doing laps. All of this happens. And it's meant to happen. It's not supposed to be perfect and quiet and blissful. If it was, you should go to a studio with white walls and incense and bells. But it doesn't do as much good in the real world. So go outside with the leaf blower. Go outside with a garbage truck. Practice being uncomfortable. Practice connection. Yeah. Okay. Let's do a practice together, yeah? I'm going to get a little bit of music going. You are going to take all the time you need to shift around. To let the words of the talk land or not land. But for the moment, we let them go. All the ideas, all the plans, all the objections, let's let them go. Let's shift around and settle so that you find a position that feels steady and supported. You might sit, you might lie back, legs crossed or feet flat on the ground. And your hands will rest on your lap, and if it feels safe, you might decide to close your eyes. And if that feels uncomfortable, you'll just stare softly at the ground. And together as a group, we'll take a deep inhale in. Exhale out a sigh. We'll just do that again, inhaling deeply, gathering up your day thus far. And with an exhale, letting it all go. Then as your breath flows, you start your practice just by silently saying to yourself, Now is my time to meditate. Now is my time to meditate. And as you say those words, I wonder if you find that you can sit down a little bit more. We each practice letting go of all those sneaky ways. We are perpetually preparing for what comes next. 
We let go of the gripping in our thighs and our hips. We let go of the tightness in our bellies and our chests. We soften our shoulders and lift the tops of our heads. We invite ourselves to sit in a way that feels tall and awake. And in our mind's eye, we might just imagine drawing three circles around ourselves. The first circle protecting us from all the noise and distractions happening outside your body. The second circle protecting you from all the thoughts, the ideas, the worries, the plans. And the third circle protecting you from all those stories that you tell yourself, that you believe. And as we sit here breathing, we just make a little quiet vow to ourselves that we won't cross those circles. Our mind, our senses will stay inside. We feel ourselves seated here in bodies made of earth and fire and water and air. Bodies that are many universes all unto themselves. Inviting ourselves to settle. You might be able to smooth or broaden your forehead. Letting go of the space behind the forehead and between your ears. Softening across your jaw and the inside of the cheeks. Letting go across your shoulders, down the length of your arms, through your wrists, your palms, and your fingertips. And gradually letting go of the muscles in the chest. The muscles in the belly. In the hip sockets and the thighs. Letting go through your calves and your ankles and the soles of the feet. 
And for a moment, simply feel your body breathing. Inhale and expand a bit. When you exhale, you contract a bit. We simply feel this pulsation of breath moving through us. And as we move our way towards a period of silence, we'll each just gently forge a relationship with that breath, however you experience it in your body. You might feel a pulsation or a wave. Maybe you feel your breath in your nose. Or moving up and down your spine. Maybe you don't even know the answer to where or how you feel your breath yet. And as we sit in silence for about eight minutes. Let's just be curious. Curious about how and where we feel the breath. When we find ourselves getting lost in thoughts or stories, you might just remember that vow to keep your mind inside yourself. And as we settle into these earth bodies, we'll honor whatever it is that shows up today. The feelings, whether of comfort or discomfort, will practice saying, okay, this right here, right now, okay. And then we feel that next breath. And we honor that next feeling. Quietly building resilience and reciprocity.
Feeling your breath here. Noticing what you're feeling in your body. Taking this extra moment just to see if you can let this be. And without any need to rush or hurry the process. You might start to deepen your breath a bit. You might wiggle your fingers, your toes, remembering your edges. As your breath grows deeper and you feel more aware of your surroundings, take a moment just to offer up that sense of gratitude for yourself, your willingness to sit still, to be curious. Gratitude for the practice, for the wisdom and connection to nature, whatever it is that's there for you. When you feel ready, you'll take a deep breath in. Exhaling out a sigh. Taking all the time you need to open your eyes if they're closed, to move around, to let go of that practice. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to The Mindful Minute. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving me a review wherever you get your podcasts. This helps others to find the show. And let's face it, we could definitely use more meditators out there. The Mindful Minute is recorded on Muskogee land and is produced with the support of Michael Sayhaus and Brianna Nielsen. To join my live classes, ask questions, or learn more about my teacher trainings, please visit MerylArnett.com. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next week.